Hello, I'm Niall Brown, and I'd like to welcome you to this Movies in Focus podcast. This time around, I'm joined by Ruben Pla, an actor with over 65 credits on IMDb. Ruben is a character actor with credits on a wide variety of film and television, with roles in shows like CSI Miami and genre movies like Insidious. Ruben has moved into directing, helming the short films The Kill in 2014 and Head in 2015. In 2020, Ruben released his documentary The Horror Crowd. It's a film which has been a huge success on the festival circuit after having its world premiere at Frightfest. The Horror Crowd features 37 interview subjects. They all talk openly and honestly and passionately about the genre and what it means to them. There's a lot of humanity on display in Ruben's documentary, and it's a must for film fans. Ruben Platt joined the Movies and Focus podcast to talk about three of his favourite films, Aliens, Jaws, and The Exorcist. I hope you enjoy listening to our chat. Hiya, Ruben. Thanks for joining me today. Hey, my pleasure, Niall. Good to see you, man. Or here. Yeah. Well, that's it, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and where, where are you today, Ruben? Where do I find you? I'm in, I'm in the U.S. right now. I'm in the northeast uh, area, about an hour outside of New York City. That's where I'm riding out the COVID storm. I think, yeah, everybody's just, hopefully it's, it's almost over now. So uh, I hope so. Know. You know, I'm, I'm going to be bi-coastal going between New York and L.A. As soon as both towns open up for, you know, acting auditions and directing gigs, I'll be going back and forth. But right now I'm here, hunkered down. Great. And you're here today to talk about three films, Ruben. So what, what are they going to be? Uh, it's going to be Alice in Wonderland. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be uh, The Exorcist, Alien, and Jaws. And those are three of my favorite all-time horror movies. And some people may say, wait a minute, Alien's a sci-fi movie. It is. It's a sci-fi horror because it's a haunted yeah. house movie set in space, you know. Same thing with uh, Jaws. They may say, wait a minute, that's just, you know, at sea. Well, it's an adventure horror, action yeah. adventure horror. So those are the three. And then, of course, traditionally, Exorcist is a demonic horror uh, film. So do you want to talk about, uh, should I just pick one to talk about first? Or? Yep, just fire away, whichever. I think there's three great movies, three of my favorites as well. So you're a man of great taste. And I didn't <laughs> check with you on that. That's, that's just a pure coincidence. And I am glad about that. Um, Alien. Alien is one of my all-time favorite films overall uh, but it is a sci-fi horror as i mentioned because it's literally a haunted house movie set in space these people are going around and and the xenomorph is popping out at them from like nowhere they have no idea where it is when when tom scarrett is going through the through the, the, those tunnels all of a sudden the xenomorph comes out at him like that, that that's a haunted house jump scare yeah yeah and ridley scott had didn't tell any of the actors where that thing was coming from where the alien was coming from you know, Tom Scarrett's running around. He doesn't know where the thing's going to... So when he comes out and he jumps, that's all real. When John Hurt... Spoiler, everybody. I just did my fingers as a spoiler sign. Uh, you know, when his chest bursts <laughs> and the alien comes out, again, mean old Ridley Scott did not tell any of them what was going to happen or how that's it was going to happen. Yeah, the, 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 the cast came in after lunch or something, didn't they? And they saw the crew with sort of raincoats and... Yeah, I, they were actually you. having a meal at the table. I think they were probably eating their real lunch at the table when the thing exploded. I'm just kidding. I'm just, uh, you know, speculating that. But uh, yeah, they had no idea when, you know, Veronica Cartwright gets her face sprayed with blood and guts from John Hurt's uh, chest. That was like real. You can see it. That's not acting. She was really like, what the hell is this? It was fantastic. So I just love that about that movie and many other things. Well, that's, Ask me I mean, about it. Well, it, it, one of the great things about Alien, which is why it holds up, it's such a visual movie. Mm -hmm. And you kind of, you have a tendency 
in a horror film. They tend to be lower budget, but Alien looks like, you know, $20 million, and it was relatively cheap at the time. Well, yeah, you know, 1979, you know, it was just breaking ground right and left in many ways. And not just the horror aspect, the sci-fi aspect, the production value, as you mentioned, how beautiful the Nostromo looked and, you know, how they looked fantastic. Let me interject real quick. The big difference about that movie to me and and uh, a lot of people in the horror crowd because we talk about it in my documentary the horror crowd specifically uh cyrus morris uh who wrote demon knight and charles de lazarica who actually works with ridley scott and does all his behind the scenes feature featurettes including alien and prometheus and everything else they talk specifically about how real the people seem you know they seem like real like as they say and i didn't put these words in their mouth they say they're like truckers in space because they are blue collar truckers in space and that's how i always looked at it too because sitting there around the table eating their food and they get they got their you know their outfits on and they don't look like star trek and they're not clean no. cut with the little sweaters and the whole thing uh the little communicators on their chest they don't look like that at all so that's such you know integral part of the success of that film for me and the beauty of that film is the reality not only of the xenomorph but of the people and the, and the nostromo and everything looks looks so beautiful and scary yeah, I mean, that, and that's uh, Ridley Scott loaded that movie with great character actors, not movie stars, and they all look so distinctive. You know, uh, that's one of the things. They looked like real people off the street as opposed to people that were picked out of casting in Hollywood. They are not casting looking people at all. Sigourney Weaver, you mentioned they picked them off the street. Sigourney Weaver, that was her first movie, and she became a superstar right after that, of course, with Aliens. With the sequel, she gets nominated for her Academy Award. I mean, it's so fantastic. But actually, I worked, I, not at work, I studied with Sigourney Weaver. This is before she had just done uh, Alien. And w- there was a workshop in New York City that, you know, for working actors. And what? she was there. And then we, you know, we talked and became friends and the whole thing. And I, I, I told her, listen, man, you're amazing. Alien, you know. And, this. and then from then she exploded aliens and everything else she did after that. Uh, but yeah, as you say, the people there, that was so real. Yafeth Koto. You know, Veronica Cartwright, of course, you know, they're just Tom Skerritt, as I mentioned before, uh, Harry Dean Stanton. I mean, of they're course. all so good, you know, character actors who deliver, who have the chops yeah. to deliver, you know. So, yeah, I love that about it. And the Security Weaver rule, that was written for a man, wasn't it? That, that's one of the things, yeah. Absolutely correct. It was ri- Actually, let me take that back. You know, I did research on this and it was written. There was no gender for any of them. They were oh, written... The, the roles were, you know, was Ripley, not Ellen Ripley, which she became. Uh, so, though the roles were all gender neutral, uh, and, and then they just put the best actor they could find. And I'm sure they wanted to put some men and some women, and they yeah. did, obviously. You know, they had Veronica Cartwright and, 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 and uh, Sigourney. But, yeah, it could have been, she could have played, you know, she could have played uh, any role in that. And, any, and so could have anybody else. So, yeah. And how do you think Alien stacks up against the sequels that followed and also the, the prequels that have now gone before. What are your thoughts on, on those? There's only two movies, Niall. There's the first one and the second <laughs> one. <laughs> I'm kidding. There's good parts, but I don't want to say all of them. I don't know about AVP, you know, Alien vs. Predator. I'm not sure about that, but I think there's good parts, even in part three, and you know, all these, you know, resurrection and everything. Uh, <laughs> but the first two are like, yeah. To me, they're like literally and people say this a lot, but those are just so tight. They're so good. They're near flawless because the first one, as I say, is a horror haunted house movie in space. Clearly, 
Yeah, there's no question. The second one is an action adventure horror movie. You know, sci-fi, action adventure, sci-fi. And these guys come in. Now it's the Marines. Now it's not just a few people, you know, getting destroyed by one alien. Now it's a bunch of Marines with their big Gatling guns, you know, shooting all these aliens. And, and talk about another great cast. You know, Michael know. Bean coming in, of course, you know, from, came in from Terminator and did that. Uh, everybody, Jeanette Goldstein, that's one of the toughest women ever Brilliant on screen, that. Vasquez. I mean, come on, you know, just, uh, and of course, you can't forget. Yeah. <laughs> what do we put her in charge? Yeah. And Bill, Bill, Bill Paxton, you know. Bill Paxton, so you can't forget that guy. He's amazing. And they're all great. They're all great. Uh, anyway, so yeah, so great. Those are the, those two are my favorites and they're both near perfect, I would say, if not perfect, flawless uh, in their own uh, genres, their own respects. Yeah. And I've, I've just, whilst you're talking about, we were talking about the Alien sequels and, and, and whatnot, the three films that you've chosen, mm -hmm. Aliens, The Exorcist, and Jaws, they've all been sequelized and sure. prequelized to an extent. Yeah. By the way, Alien is, is the one I picked first. Alien. Yes. It, even though I adore Aliens, but I, I would have to go with, if you pull my, twist my arm back here, Niall, and say, pick one. I'll go, Alien. Okay, fine. Anyway. Uh, yes. So they've all been sequelized. Yes. Is why three iconic movies from the, the, the 1970s as well. Why do you think Alien, for example, as we're talking about it now, but all of them are so, so long lasting, but they've got such shelf life? They have an incredible, incredible premise. I mean, the premise, the gimmick, if you will, and I, I don't want to use that word, but you know, some people call it a gimmick, but the premise, I mean, you know, in, out in space with this alien who's, you know, hunting you down on your spaceship, a little girl on a bed possessed by a demon throwing up split pea soup at the priest's <laughs> face, and a big giant killer shark that sometimes work and doesn't work sometimes, but for the screen, it worked all the time. Yeah. When you see them and when you don't, it works. So that, that's why those three, you know, among many other things, great cast, blah, blah, blah. you know, Roy Scheider, Richard Dreyfuss for Jaws, you know, Linda Blair, you know, Max von Sydow, Ellen Burstyn for Exorcist and the cast. We already talked in detail about Alien and Aliens. That's why, I mean, it, when the, let me tell you this real quick. To me, it's all about the script. If the script, and all, all three of those have incredible scripts, yeah. not just great effects and blood and guts and whatever. Incredible, tight, three-act structure script. I'm all about the three acts. And if it just flows from one act to the other and deliver, you know how many movies I've seen now where the third act falls apart it's a piece yes. of crap to go oh my god this is gonna be the best movie ever and i'm watching it and i get to pass hour two hour 20 and i go and just falls apart it's, it's junk i don't know what this it's not, oh, the audience is stupid they don't care we'll just give them a bunch of great special effects and blood and whatever action and they'll be fine well no the audience can be very discerning and and i think that's why to answer your question bluntly that's why those three in particular and others have succeeded and gone on for years and so forth. Okay, now we'll move on to The Exorcist. Sure. So, t tell me about your love of The Exorcist. Where did that come from? Where did you first see it? And why, why do you still think it's great? Because it's scary as all hell. It's literally <laughs> one of the few. There's some, there's a couple, I think three maybe movies that made me lose sleep. I mean, like, you know, I was like a teen when I started to think. And it's scary, dude. I mean, you're watching this thing and, you know, this, and the setup is so good. It's not like it, it rushes it. it. It's almost like a slow burn in the beginning, you know, not, 
the movie, though, overall, is not a slow burn by any means, unlike some other movies that are great, which I'll talk about later. After the three, quickly, I'll touch upon those. But then when it gets going, they open the door, and she's, and there's Ellen Burstyn opening the door, and there's a little daughter on the bed, and things are starting to happen, and the bed's shaking, and the spitting up, and the head spinning, one thing after the other, just builds and builds and builds. And then, of course, the infamous, you know, crucifix scene, which we won't talk about. You know, there's so many things that that film delivers, so innovative. And based on a great book, I read the book, the freaking book scared the hell out of me, you know? Yeah. So just like The Shining, the book scared, I, I was thinking of a topiary rabbits coming at me forever after that. <laughs> I read that book and then the, the movie doesn't use the rabbits and the topiary, it's a maze, but it's still scary as all hell. So yeah, that, that uh, exorcist was very scary to me as, as a younger person. And Blatty came from a comedy background, didn't he? He, he was a comedy writer before he, he went and he wrote the novel and then his career so changed. It's funny you say that. I literally, I'm not joking, two days ago I was watching a documentary uh, on William Peter Blatty and the Exorcist. And they talked about, of course, the, the curse of, cur of the cast member and, and the crew people dying and all this stuff. They talk about that, which I always find fascinating. And they probably blow it up a little bit, but still. And Blatty talked about, which I didn't know until I saw this documentary, that he had done literally, he's talking to the camera saying, you know, I'd only done comedy until then. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so I thought I'd do this, you know, horror, you know, Catholic exorcism thing. So I went and met with this priest. He actually, well, obviously he would meet with the priest. A friend of his who was a priest. I asked him, you know, will you help me with this, with the exorcism? He goes, he goes, I'll do it. The priest does. Probably what he based Max von Sydow on, or Jason Miller, one or the other, a combination of two. Uh, said, I'll do it. I'll help you. I'll give you details and I'll help you form it if you take it seriously, because of his comedy <laughs> background. <laughs> he didn't want him to do a, you know, like airplane version yeah. of, of the movie, you know? <laughs> which they anyway, then did yeah. with Repossessed, which also starred uh, Linda Blair. Repossessed, which one's that? Um, it was a comedy from the 90s with Leslie Nielsen. So oh, that's right, when they were doing yeah. the Top Gun stuff. Yeah, yeah, which yeah, was, yeah. Which yeah. was terrible, but yeah, yeah. yeah less yeah, of I think, I think. I think I saw that, but I can't remember much about it. I don't, think any, I, I don't think anyone can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I may not have seen it. I go, no, you're not going to destroy my memory of The Exorcist, the serious version that William Peter Blatty wrote, not the funny version. Although John Borman did try to destroy it with The Exorcist 2, which is possibly one of the worst movies ever made. Yeah, not, not a good sequel. Uh, part 3 was better, Yeah, actually. Much part better. Part 3 was better. Uh, yeah, a lot of people have no love for that part too and i'm you know I, i'm not i don't love it either but the one is so good i mean there's movies where the sequels are as good if not better alien is a classic example alien aliens you know empire strikes back is like to me the best of all of them of course. and you know some people like the first one more but whatever i know somebody who likes uh, ewoks more but i'm like every time he says that to me i i, I cringe and he's not a stupid person i'm not going to name him here <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, no, I'm not, no, I'm not. I won't anyway, ask, yeah. yeah, no, no. Let's just say somebody involved with the horror cry. That's all I'll say. Out of all those 37, 38 people involved, he's one, it's one of them. Okay, so uh, yeah, sometimes the sequels can be better, if not as, uh, you know, as good, if not better than the original, sure. Yeah. The Exorcist is another film with great performances and again, a great cast, you know. And even from Linda Blair, who was, what, 12 at the time? You know, that's a ridiculous performance for a child actor. Ridiculous performance for, for a 12-year-old. I mean, nominated for Academy Award. She didn't win, but she's still nominated. Um, 
you know, Max von Sydow, who, you know, sometimes people can perceive him as being a little stiff because, you know, whatever, but it's perfect. Yeah. You know, there, it's just perfect for that movie. Jason Miller. I mean, he, that guy can emote, you know, when he's, you know, being bombarded by split peak or vomit, <laughs> demonic vomit, I should say, uh, his reactions and stuff, you know, we have clips from that in, in the horror crowd, my documentary, just that very moment. It's just a great moment. Uh, you know, reacting to that with falling down. No, well, spoiler, here we go again. Guys, you shouldn't be listening to this if you don't want to hear spoilers, okay? Spoiler. You know, when he falls down the stairs, and, I mean, and they show, in the documentary, I just I mentioned that I saw, they, I, that I just saw, they show how that happened, how the stuntman went down, and, and they padded the steps, you know, yeah. for, you know I mean, come on, it's like 40 steps or some ridiculous thing all the way down. And then, and then uh, was it the direct, I think it was, I think it was uh, Friedkin who was asking him, you know, how do you do that? How, how, did, how can you roll down like that? And he goes, I let my body go. I just go into a void, a void, a body void. I just go and my body, if you could see me now, your body is just moving with the steps. I thought, that's amazing. I love that imagery of, of the stuntman just kind of like loose like a flopping doll. Anyway. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. But those are some steps in that movie, you know. Sure. You would not sure. want to be that stuntman going down, you know. And, yeah. and I think but you know what? He's immortalized as one of the best scenes of falling downstairs ever. So he's probably yeah. happy he did it. You know. Anyway, go ahead. Um, but um, what I did see in that documentary, which I, I've seen it as well, it's very thin. Oh, rubber okay. too, isn't it? it? It's very, very thin that he actually. Oh no, no. He, oh yeah, yeah. So I mentioned earlier that they put a little rubber foam on, on the steps because yeah. it's, it's like cement. I mean, come on, you know, crack your head over. But even still, I mean, you know, it's if it's a little thin foam and then you hit your head. <laughs> too hard like let's say on the 27th step you, you got momentum going that's going to hurt but you know yeah you had to take some precautions of course nowadays it'd all be cg <laughs> and, it would, and it wouldn't be as good so you know <laughs> no it would not because you know there's no danger involved when you know there's danger that's why that's why jaws exorcist alien all those movies they're so great there's so much a danger involved yeah. with this danger from the demonic possessed little girl, from the sh killer shark, of course, you know, or from the xenomorph, an alien. It's just like, the danger is that you feel, it. I, I see horror movies and I'm watching, I go, that's stupid. I'm yeah. not even scared of this thing, those guy, or whatever the case may be, you know? So yeah, danger. That's it. And it, those films have tangible monsters, you know, be it makeup or, you know, prosthetics. They're there in shock. They're practical, they're yeah. practical effects, yeah. And that makes it real which adds to the nightmare as well, I think, which continues. Absolutely. Practicals always, I mean, the only time CG is, you know, recommended is when you're doing intergalactic space fights and, you know, that kind of stuff, maybe the Avengers kind of things. You got, you know, all these ships coming in and the Hulk's, you know, the Hulk has to be CG because, you know, Luferino's getting old, so <laughs> we have to have a CG Hulk. But, you know, but for that kind of thing, a killer or Freddy or Mike Meyer, Michael Myers or Xenomorph or whatever, yeah, you want that thing there. You want those actors seeing that thing with the claws coming at them or the, 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 the alien mouth shooting out or whatever they call or, or Linda Blair spitting pea yeah, soup in your mouth. Going <laughs> around, yeah. You need to see that they act the same thing. Like just going back to the beginning of our conversation with Veronica Cartwright when John Hurt's chest exploded, that blood and guts went right into her face. That's what, that elicits yeah. such a great reaction. Doesn't mean that there is an actor, Olivier, Anthony Hopkins, Gary Oldman, you know, three of my favorites, of course, all British, who can, you know, do that reaction and still sell it. But geez, I mean, when you got the blood and fuss coming in your mouth and the face and your eyes, 
that's a whole different thing. Yeah, that really definitely. makes it. Then if you go, okay, at this point, the CG blood, you know, shoots past you. Okay. <laughs> I'll act to that. Yeah. I'll imagine <laughs> what it is. Yeah. 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 So anyway, yeah. Which brings us nicely to Jaws because mm. for most of Jaws, you don't actually see the shark, which is the best thing for that film. Because it didn't work. Yes, it didn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously, that's what it was. Bruce. They called him Bruce the Shark. Did you know they called him Bruce? Yeah, know, wasn't that. it after a Spielberg's lawyer? Correct. Yeah. Correct. It's exactly what it was. Bruce was his lawyer. He goes, he's a shark. Hi, ah, Bruce, which <laughs> I love. I love that. And that, that was early in his career, Spielberg. I mean, you know, he, he'd done some things. He'd done Sugarland Express, I believe. And he'd done, uh, obviously, Duel. Yeah. Definitely before that. Duel with Dennis Weaver with the truck following or chasing, I should say, stalking this poor guy in a little Volvo or whatever. He had a small car and, and on the freeway. And that was kind of like Jaws on the freeway, yes. the guy being stalked by this giant metal creature in this case. Uh, so he hadn't done a lot, but took on this monumental task. And you know he must, I mean, I see photos of him on the set. He's like, you know, like this, his face is like so depressed, like, because the shark's not working. <laughs> as, Richard, <laughs> as Richard Dreyfus says in one of the documentaries, you, you could always hear going through the, the town, the, the speaker saying, the shark's not working. <laughs> But that was hilarious. And then the shark is working. <laughs> shoot, shoot, quick. Yeah. So he had to do what you say. He had to shoot the shark when he could. So it, I guess in the middle of that, he must have thought, I won't show the shark for the first act. You know, just the effects, which worked wonderfully. Well, that's, I mean, I, I saw Jaws first time as a kid in the 80s. Mm -hmm. And just that music alone would yeah. build so much tension. And even if he didn't know what, what it was, there's a primal thing to John Williams's score that kind of hits you and you know something bad is going to happen. Key word, what you just said is primal. Jaws is so primal. I mean, even Alien in its own way, it's a futuristic primal. But Jaws is the quintessential primal beast on Earth. You know, that I got to tell you, this is a personal note. I, I was a big water skier, you know, back in high school and college. I used to go water skiing all the time. And then after I saw Jaws, I, I, I was terrified. I'm not joking. I was like, I, I still to this day, like a little bit afraid of the beach, but I'll go. But because when you go water skiing, you're on the middle of out there in the ocean or a big lake or wherever you are. And you're standing still when you're flying, you know, usually they can't get you. Except for part, the Jaws part two, where he still gets people <laughs> on the skis. But when you're, when you're setting up, you're behind the, the, the boat, the motorboat, and you're, you're holding the the rope and, and your skis are between you and I kept looking between my legs thinking freaking Jaws is going to come up and just bite me in half and that's not a joke I mean I remember that distinctly happening and then I hear people like you know ridiculous people think oh I'm afraid to go in a pool I go okay that's kind of stupid but yeah. anyway <laughs> they're not going to put a shark in a pool maybe some piranhas because <laughs> I've seen that in yeah. movies but not not a shark uh anyway yeah and again Jaws another brilliant cast Richard Dreyfuss you've mentioned Roy Scheider, Robert Shaw. I mean, the three Robert of those guys. Shaw, Robert Shaw, great British actor and playwright mm -hmm. who wrote the monologue, rewrote, I should say, let me specify. He rewrote that big monologue about the sharks and eyes, like a doll's eyes, they roll back. Oh, come on. He British. rewrote that because, uh, yeah, it was John Milius. Yeah, John Milius had written the original. It, was, it went on forever. It was like three pages or something. I don't remember what. And he says, let me, let me take a crack at it. And Spiritburg goes, yeah, go ahead. You know how to write, you know? And uh, he did. And boy, oh boy, that's, one of, that's like one of the most quoted things from that movie. That and, you know, we're going to need a bigger boat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and the shark's eyes, they roll back like a, 
black like a doll's eyes, probably the most quoted things in that movie. And he just wrote that like there, like on the set. Let's go. So I love that. I love that story. And that's true. Yeah. Anyway. And, and that, that Jaws is a film that actually has two fantastic dinner table sequences. There's obviously the, the one with the three men and then with Roy Scheider and his son, which mm -hmm. two of the most fantastic, you know, just people sitting around a table and there's so much heart to it through that. Oh, I mean, any, any film that was horror, adventure, combat, I don't care, that brings in that whole family dynamic, especially a parent and child, I just go, I go bonkers. I go, if it's a father and daughter, because I have two daughters, I start crying right away. <laughs> and it's not because I'm an actor and I can cry. It's just like anything with a father losing their daughter or whatever, you know, daughter's kidnapped, I don't care. I just think, oh, my, you got me, oh my God. So whenever there's a parent-child thing going on there, it just heightens the effect. Yeah. The stakes are high enough for Chief Brody, you know, Roy Scheider. Chief Brody now, it's got, you know, we know, okay, he's got family, he's got kids. Okay, if he dies on the ship, I'm going to be devastated, you know. So it's almost like we feel bad when Robert Shaw dies, but not as bad as if Chief Brody had died. Yeah. Then we really would have been devastated because we were invested in his family. Same thing with any other film with a family, father, son, mother, daughter, whatever. You, you, boy, that's the smartest thing to do for a script is to bring in that family dynamic. People think, no, I'm going to make a good action movie or a good horror movie. I don't need no family, dumb stuff and dumb kids. Yeah, it'd be yeah. smart to do. You do. I mean, that, that's what actually makes a great horror film. And the, the three movies that you've just mentioned, it's all about characterization. It, it builds to the certain point where you know the characters, you're invested. And even the, the smaller characters, like in Jaws, you know, Murray Hamilton's mayor. <laughs> You know, he's brilliant, you know, and he's only, he's got about 10 minutes screen time, screen time yeah. maximum. But then he comes back in all the sequels and, then, you know, some of them he's like, you know, above the title, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, you know, uh, he, he stayed with it. He got, you know, he, I think it was in four or five of them, you know, he just kept coming back for, for things. Uh, I got to tell you that I love when Michael Caine comes in for, for that. I just love Michael Caine, even though the movie was terrible. It's like, uh, Michael Caine. That's, yeah. That was the time when he was doing, and he talked about, yeah, I see. I see Jaws uh, four. Is it he did? Yeah, I think it's four. I think so. Yeah, uh, I see that, and I and I see my the house that it built. You know, yeah, that's it. <laughs> I just love that. You know? But it, I mean, it's just such a shonky movie, Jaws four. Yeah. But you know, but but actually, going back as bad as Jaws four is, the mm -hmm. opening with um, Brody's son in the dark mm -hmm. with the shark is possibly sure. the best bit, bit in the movie. So those sequels do have good points to them. As bad as yeah, they. Except for the fact that the, the, the shark came back for revenge. I'm like, really? Well, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Three times after. You know? <laughs> okay. It's like, I'm coming back to, to avenge my husband, shark. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I mean, Jaws, I, I do think Jaws is one of the great movies of all sure. time. You know, it, it's flawless. The script, the characterization, the score. I mean, John Williams' music. Well, yeah. I mean, Williams just can't do any wrong. I mean, you know, the guy, you know. Yeah, Indy, you know, Indiana Jones, you know, yeah, come on. Anyway, um, yeah, he, that, that movie, just say it, say it again, it's like near flawless to me. Script, acting, directing, the tension, the set, you know, the way, the way when they start going into the ocean, that's okay, we're in act three now, here we go. Yeah, and it turns into an adventure film, the music changes and off they go, you know. Off they go, it's like almost like a pirate film, you know. Yeah. Like, you know but uh yeah, I mean, to me, the structure, as long as the structure is, is tight, man, I don't care where they go. They go in space, you can go in the ocean, or you can go in a cave. I don't care. You know, speaking of cave, real quick, I'm going to throw in some stuff because I know we, we talked about three and we covered them really well. But yeah. the descent, you know, the old Marshall film, yes. talk about cave. 
you know, that's, and talk about the creatures and, and, and the women. Are, that's probably, to me, the best woman-led film, especially horror film ever. Those women are unbelievable. The protagonist is great. And, you know, the whole, the, what they're going through is great. Um, I'm going to throw something else at you. Uh, I don't know if you'll hear. Slow burn movies. Uh, besides Insidious, James Wan's Insidious, which I'm in. Of course. Which yeah. I think, which I, <laughs> which I like a lot. It, it, that's one of the best slow burn. James is very good with the moody, setting the mood and the whole thing. And that's just great. You know, and then all the actors are in great. And Lynn Shea, you know, Patrick Wilson, Rose Byrne, Barbara Hershey, all those people. And the, the, that stupid guy who played the doctor. But anyway, um, that's me. Uh, the mood of that slow burn is great. But to me, going back, you know, again, oddly enough, the 70s, uh, 1976, Burnt Offerings. Do you know that movie? I don't know. What, what is Burnt Offerings? You have to rent Burnt Offerings. It's with Karen Black, who, of course, you know, from Trilogy yeah. of Terror, being chased by the little doll, and uh, Oliver Reed, the husband and wife, and with a family. With, yeah, here we go again with a kid. Got to put that kid in that family dynamic, and it just heightens the stakes right away. And they go to a house, and of course, it's haunted, but it's not a stupid haunted movie. It's unbelievable. And Karen Black, her slow, and again, minor spoiler, the slow descent into the, 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 her possession by the ghosts of the house is unbelievable. The look on her face, she's already got a spooky face to begin with. The look on her face when she's slowly getting possessed. But then Oliver Reed, who was like dynamite actor, it always, was, yeah. Three Musketeers, and you name it, Tommy, he's always great. In this, outdoes himself. There's a scene, I'm going to say it real quick, in a pool when he's with his son and, and they're swimming and it's, he starts getting kind of possessed by the demonic forces again. And he's, you think he's going to kill his son because they're playing around in the roughhousing and he's getting a little too rough in the water and it starts to drown the kid. And the look of fear in this kid, when you see the most, the most trusted person in your life, your father, God, just kills me when I hear that, is going to possibly kill you and drown you. It's amazing, amazing moment, and then he recovers and all that. But the, the kid is the kid was the kid was the son in, in Ben. He was the kid in Ben and the Willard, not Willard, but Ben when the, the rat and the whole yes, thing. Remember yeah, that? yeah. He was the kid in that Lee Montgomery. So he's good. The kid's good. Yeah. And then that, and that, and you got Betty Davis playing the grandmother who's like slowly dying and the whole thing. And then the creepy chauffeur. Anyway, that's a great slow burn movie. So, so you got slow burns, Insidious, you know, burn offerings, and you got. High seas action adventure horror, Jaws, outer space, fantastic stuff like Alien, Haunted House, or an action adventure with the Marines coming and aliens. And then uh, demonic uh, horror possession of the Exorcist, which you can't go wrong if the script is tight and production values are there. Yeah, no, definitely. Ruben, they were the three brilliant movies. I couldn't have actually chosen three better films myself. So uh, oh, good, good. I'm glad to hear that. Thank you. And it was actually great talking about them. Um, Looking to sort of what you're doing at the minute, obviously yeah. you have the, the horror crowd and that's still kind of moving around festivals and things. It, it is, it is. I'm still, uh, I have to tell you the, the truth, it's in 39 festivals. I couldn't 39. be happier. Yeah, I know it kicked off at Fright Fest, as you well know, because you yeah. were kind enough to review and thank you so much, seriously, for the wonderful review you gave me. I remember it clearly. Thank you. you. Know, <laughs> it was great. And yeah, it was. And, uh, yeah, it's been going from festival to festival to, you know, the Grimfest to Garden State Film Festival. I'm going down next two weeks. I'm going down to, to Florida for another festival down there. It's it just, it's, oh, it's right now, it's, it's at the uh, London Independent Film Festival that the Natasha Marburger runs. It's just, 
I've gotten awards, I've gotten nomin a lot of nominations, I just got a Best Director Award, and, and you know, and, and, I, and I, a bunch of uh, uh, best film. The thing is, here's the other thing real quick, it's being appreciated as a best film, not just a best documentary. I go up, the film goes up against like feature films, narrative films, and sometimes it wins, and sometimes it doesn't, but that, that it's even going up against narrative films for best feature, I'm like, really? Okay, is, yeah. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a great, I mean, it's a film, kind of going back to what we're talking about with, with passion, you know, it's a film that has so much emotion and, you know, that the people in it who are talking about the horror genre love it so much. And that actually comes off the screen. And I mean, for a, a 90 minute film or whatever the running time, you could just happily watch that for three hours. You know, I, I, I think I said that last time I spoke with you. You did, you did you know, exactly say that. You know, you, you could watch more and more of it, you know, as a series or, you know, anything like that. You know, I got to tell you that when, when I started doing this thing, I, like I said, it was just, a, oh, let me, you know, put it together, see what I get. I'm traveling in these horror circles. I just talk to my friends and tape them on my phone, you know, no big deal. And started building, building, building. And, and, and then I started thinking, you know, are people going to think it's too hokey because I'm covering their families. There we go again. I'm covering, you know, their, their, their earliest influences, their toys, like, you know, Mike Mendes with his Dracula toy, you know, Darren Lynn Bousman with his books about Frankenstein and the mummy. And I go, is that going to seem too hokey? But you know what? It doesn't. No, it just comes off don't. like this. As you just said, the passion for the genre just comes through. So it's not about a hokey toy or a hokey book or a hokey first horror movie you ever saw. Mike Mendes seeing The Hills Have Eyes at age three. I mean, these, these influences that these people had when they were younger and later, it just comes through. Yeah, yeah, no, and a brilliant film. So I'm, I'm so glad it's been successful and that it's been Thank well you. received because I mean, I, I had a blast with it. And yeah, you know, I hope- uh, The horror crowd people, go check it out. Yep, and what, <laughs> what's, what's next for you after that? The horror crowd part two. No, I, I, <laughs> I, I'm still riding this wave of, of the festivals. I mean, like I said, 39 festivals. I never expected 10. <laughs> You know, I would have been happy with five or seven. Uh, so it's just one thing, you know, going to a lot of interviews, a lot of Zoom, obviously Zoom meetings. And then, like I said, I'm going down to Florida. It's going to be live in Florida. They're going to show it, you know, COVID restrictions in place and safety precautions. But I, I cannot wait to go down there seeing audience reaction to this thing and the people and how they react to, to the things that people are doing on screen. That's going to be wonderful. Just right. wonderful. Will that be the first live audience to see it? It's, it's had a couple tinier screening things but this will be the first big audience thing so that's why i can't wait yeah no that's that should be well i hope it's great for you and i hope it, go, it goes well well Thanks, ruben it's been fantastic talking with you again likewise and i really hope we can do it again in the future maybe catch up again talk about something sure. else and some other movies i'm sure we can i'm sure we could think of something yeah <laughs> as long as they're good three-act structure scripts I, i'll talk about those that sounds great. <laughs> it was a pleasure again now. Thank you so much. You too, Ruben. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Cheers. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Movies in Focus podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to tell your friends about it. Music.